TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner. Always enjoy having Rabbi Y.Y. Rubenstein on the air. Uh, he's a tremendous lecturer. You can read his books. He's international speaker, and he's been on the BBC for 23 years, and he left the BBC because of anti-Semitism. But the Queen Elizabeth, who just passed away, was a listener to Rabbi Y.Y.'s broadcast on the BBC. Rabbi Y.Y., thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure as always, Dave. As somebody who is from England, I'm sure you have some thoughts about the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Well, first of all, profound sadness. I mean, I she was she came, she was crowned and came to the throne two years before I was born, which means that my entire life uh, has had her in the background. It's made me think about my own mother uh, uh, who passed away and my father. Uh, the past came rushing towards me uh, with her passing because she was so integral to, to my life and to the life of everybody. And she was such a great friend of the Jewish community, such a great supporter of her Jewish subjects, of the, the Jewish institutions of the UK. And, you know, it's important to bear in mind that uh, royalty sets fashions, whether it's fashions that people wore um, and how they think as well. And the fact that Her Majesty the Queen uh, was so pro-Jewish made it more difficult for people not to be. Uh, and that was that was important. We appreciated that. No, it certainly happened. By the way, you resigned from the BBC because of anti-Semitism. So even though she was a listener, but somehow, I guess the powers that be, and there was a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism in England, despite the royal family and, and King Charles, as well as the Queen Elizabeth, who was very supportive of the Jewish community, and Israel, but yet you find a lot of anti-Semitism in the BBC, which you had to yeah. leave over. Oh, it's absolutely uh, huge amounts. I, I just honestly think that it, you know, the the, the definition of English anti-Semitism. Can't remember who said it, but it was really clever. It is hating Jews more than is absolutely necessary. <laughs> so it's just that with the Queen there, I think uh, she and her family. Uh, made it quite sure it was never more than as absolutely necessary. And when it did become more than and more uh, overt, uh, with that famous story of the attack on Jewish kids in Oxford Street in London uh, at Hanuk time last year, that's when I had to stand with my people and against the BBC. I incidentally was uh, most mostly uh, rewarded with all sorts of applause. Usually 90, 90% of the people got in touch with me said it was the right thing to do. 5% were absolutely furious that I'd left the BBC because why was I involved with it in the first place? And the other 5% were furious that I'd left the BBC. Why didn't I stay to fight the anti-Semitism from within? But uh, there comes a point where your name is just, you can no longer have it, even you're, even though you're trying to be a secret agent and trying to advocate for the Jewish community. I just didn't want my name associated with it anymore. But that's where the Queen heard me. And, uh, well, the Queen was uh, one of your listeners, right? Well, should listen. The, the main program, the main news program, which is hard for Americans to understand, and most British people get their news from radio. Uh, 
And the, the Today programme, the BBC's Today programme, is listened to by about 22 million people. And so I was a regular contributor to that. So when Her Majesty the Queen, Aleha Shalom, came to Manchester about 12 years ago, just before we moved to America, um, she was presented to the Jewish community and they were all standing there in a line, as they always do, uh, to be presented to her. And she shook hands with the president and she said, is Rabbi Waimai here? And uh, he said, uh, oh, oh, no, ma'am. Oh, what a pity. We listen to him all the time on the radio and we think he's awfully good. Um, and then there was a, a communication inviting us to come to Buckingham Palace for tea just as we were moving to the United States. My wife, who comes from California, has never forgiven me for not taking her down to Buckingham Palace with tea with Her Majesty. And indeed, it's uh, one of the great sorrows of my life that I never actually uh, got to have that tea and meet the Queen. So there you go. As a former somebody who's who might be in America, but you think British, maybe you speak Yiddish. But the, <laughs> the, the question I have for you is just, and again, we don't have a monarchy in the United States, so it's hard for it to grasp. But there's a special affinity between the queen or king, well, it hasn't been a king in a while in England, and, and her subjects. So explain to us, including the Jewish community, how they relate to the queen, what impact it has on the daily lives, and also what the sorrow is now that she's gone. Well, I think the, the first important thing to bear in mind that there was a, there, she was like a moral authority and she was a very moral person. I'm not to say that, you know, royal families and even her royal family, if you extend it and move it out far enough, you're going to find uh, pristine reputations and not a scandal or two. In fact, as we all know, uh, there's quite a few sc uh, scandals, including one which was centered here in New York with Prince Andrew. But having said that, she herself was beyond reproach and her um, she's the queen, of course. The language of royalty is Latin, so if I can use the phrase, her ibergegebenkeit, her uh, her giving this to, or, uh, willing to give to her people, uh, to all you know, all the community that makes up the UK. Remember, she was also the queen to, in fourteen countries, not just the UK, uh, Canada, etc., Australia. Um, she was totally devoted, and she she did give her all for her people. And I think they appreciated that, even if you see it as being a bit anachronistic, even if you're a Republican and just don't want a king or a queen. I don't think anybody could have doubted that she was a great person who did great things. And because of her tremendous support and love of the Jewish community, uh, that was uh, respected and recognized. And we feel really as though just as though, I think, uh, Jewish people, we feel as though we've lost a parent. It's 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 quite moving, and I was I was in tears today. So the truth, twice. Now you mentioned that obviously there are people who think that the monarchy is archaic. We don't really need it, but I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that the average citizen of England is happy or or is wants the monarchy, and it's a limited mind. They had the Queen really had no power except as a moral authority. Yeah, well, it, it splits into left and right, rather like in the United States, so Republican to Democrats. You tend to find Republicans in the Democratic Party. Uh, and so the British Conservative Party, which is the government at the moment, that's where you'll find support. You'll also find it's a national divide. Um, Scotland is more or less, ironically, saying she passed away there, um, but ironically, the Scots are less monarchistic than the English. Um, the English are very, very fond of their queen. Most Scottish people are too, but 
it's more left-wing country and therefore certainly the leader of the first minister of the Scottish Parliament um, she is uh, a Republican and she doesn't want a queen so it's uh, there is the split generally goes in political lines those of the left tend to be less pro-queen or less pro-monarchy and the right uh, more pro but it's certainly there's an enormous amount as I said of continuity but you see she, her popularity and her authority sprung from her, her own morality, her own ethics, and nobody could fault her or call say she was a hypocrite and she said one thing and did the other. Um, the, the jury's out and how this goes from now on in. And lots of people still in, in the UK are smarting and hurt about uh, the new king's relationship with Princess Di. And the new queen consort, Camilla, is uh, is certainly going to be. Um, she'll ha- it'll be harder for her to uh, to uh, succeed in what she's trying to do uh, with that legacy. However, the next generation, William and Kate, that's different. They are universally adored. So, uh, and people thought, in actual fact, maybe King uh, Charles, King Charles Abstainer, might step down and just let. Uh, let uh, uh, his son take over, but that's obviously not happening. Uh, so we'll see how long the throne remains vacant before uh, the couple who are adored universally take over. Now, how does it work? The Queen passed away. How long is it traditional in British society to have the mourning? And when does Charles become king? Or do, he's, is, ready, he's, he's already from the, king, mo- from the moment the coronation, she right? It's No, no, no. The coronation isn't merely the formal uh, acceptance of the thing. Uh, celebration of the thing, the moment the Queen passed away, you know, the, you must have seen it in the movies, the King's dead, long live the King. Queen, right. Well, in this case, the Queen is dead, long live the King. From the moment she passed away, her son, King Charles, Prince Charles as he was, became King Charles, and he became the King, and is the King from that second. So he's now the King. He's been the King for half a day. Now what happens though is that there will be an official coronation, won't there be? Yes, and that'll be quite a while off, um, a matter of months. But um, the the period of mourning is going to be ten days. And I'm going to send Shiva. We're going to set Asura, and it'll be a ten day uh, mourning period. It takes a long time for them to bury a monarch, and there'll be lots of. Well, there is already. I was dipping into the BBC, which I feel guilty about. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, accolades and and war memories from everywhere, even Vladimir Putin. Uh, saying how wonderful she was. So uh, the whole world, nobody's got a bad word to say about this woman because she was just very a very good person. I say it, it could well be that the monarchy is, with the, with the Prince Andrew thing, with the Harry thing going on, I mean, he and his wife are, you know, machine-gunning the reputation of the monarchy whenever they can. Uh, not very popular in the UK, incidentally. As a consequence of that, nothing to do with her risk nothing to do with the race um then that is uh, it's going to be a, i think it's going to be we can anticipate some rough times uh, ahead before as i say the golden couple uh, william and kate take over because the queen elizabeth ruled with an iron hand and she kept you know try to keep the family intact that she dealt with the scandals she had high moral authority so she was able to do it so now that she's gone it'll be much more difficult i think for King Charles to have that same moral authority to be able to keep things in line, and things could spiral out of control, technically it's, speaking. 
Yes, it, it, it is a possibility. And, and you know, Prince Charles, uh, uh, King Charles, I should say, who I personally uh, admire and like a lot, but he doesn't have the he doesn't have his mother's track record. So if you've got, you know, the crisis of Prince Andrew and if you've got the crisis of Harry going on and you're the queen who's been there for 70 years, then that gives you a lot of authority. He's been the king for half a day. If something flares up, and remember, Harry's in with his wife in the country at the moment, so something could flare up, he doesn't quite have the same authority to be able to um, dampen down the flames, as you put it. We're with Rabbi Y.Y. Rubenstein, originally from England, as you can tell from his accent. And he was on the BBC for 23 years, left them because of anti-Semitism. Queen Elizabeth, who just passed away, was a listener to his radio broadcast on the BBC. And we're all reflecting on Queen Elizabeth and what happens next. Rabbi Rubenstein, I know we're in the Rosh Hashanah. We're in the Jewish high holiday season and and I know that's going to be months before the people the official ceremony install. Well, King Charles is king before they have an official ceremony. But I kept thinking about monarchy, Russia, Shana. We coronate the king of the of, of all kings, the king of the world. Coronation of a king, a mortal king. I just think there's there's probably a message here somewhere for all of us. Is there not, Rabbi Y. Y. Rubenstein? Yeah, I mean, there, nothing happens by happenstance or by accident. That's the first thing. I mean, a very simple uh, level, the Parsha that we read every week, the general rule is that at least one of the themes of the Parsha connects to what something is going on in the Jewish calendar. So for the, the longest reigning monarch of the UK, universally uh, admired throughout the world uh, to pass away and for a new king to be to be crowned or to be uh, uh, acclaimed at this particular moment in time, your uh, introduction is actually very, very prescient and very pertinent. It does, for us, give us an idea, right? Let's, it's a new king. Uh, it's a new relationship. Let's have a new relationship with our king, uh, because sometimes we might have been a little bit, um, I mean, there is this fissure between Harry, the younger son, and his father. Who knows, it might, I would not be at all surprised if this is an opportunity for a reconciliation to take place. And that would be a very nice message and an inspiration for us to copy, because during the course of a year, sometimes we fall out with our father, uh, our king, the one, the big one, the king of kings. And this is, of course, what Rosh Hashanah and Elul is all about, um, getting back together again, uh, re-establishing that relationship. I was just thinking out loud also, according to rabbinic tradition on Rosh Hashanah, we blow chauffeurs. It's, it's akin to the trumpets that uh, they have at a coronation, too. I've never been to coronation. It's probably been a long time since we actually seen one yes. in England. So oh, I would, yes. I would just, yes. I'd be curious to know if they, you, they blow trumpets or they blow chauffeurs. Oh, yes, they do. They blow, they blow, blow trumpets, uh, and the, the trumpets have little flags, know, big, quite big flags, actually, from them. And they, of course, the, the heralds, blow the trumpets and their remarkably beautiful uniforms, little white socks, a little bit of chasidus creeping into the process. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a very, very beautiful thing. Westminster Abbey, I think I'm right in saying, is going to be the uh, the venue for this, uh, generally is. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see, there's no doubt. Look, uh, you might, look, we're all Americans over here, so we know what we think of the Brits, but there's no denying that the British know how to do pomp and circumstance. Uh, they do it well. Um, this is going to be, I bet you it's going to, I mean, I hope I'm right in this, it's going to get the best TV ratings of the whole of probably 
no, 22, certainly this year, or if it's the next year, whenever it's going to be, it'll probably be the most watched show uh, of the entire year. I'm sure it will be. And I probably can rest assured that the Chief Rabbi Fry Murrors will be invited both to the funeral and to the coronation. Oh, absolutely. I, can I tell you a story about sure. one of his predecessors? Uh, my late wife and I, Sean and I, were very close to Lady Jacobowitz. That's Lord Jacobowitz's mm-hmm. wife. And uh, when I was telling her um, about uh, my invitation to go and have tea with the Queen, she recalled the first time that she and her husband uh, went to Windsor Castle uh, to spend a few days with Prince Philip, as he was then was, and Her Majesty the Queen. And uh, and so they arrived. And she said, Lady Jacobowitz said, she was a nervous wreck. Um, and so... She went and bought herself a complete new outfit. She went to a store called Marks and Spencers. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's, I suppose, the, the British equivalent of, of Macy's. And she bought herself a new outfit. And I mean, from top to bottom, she, new shoes, uh, new dresses, new underwear, new um, nightdress, uh, dressing gown, the whole thing. And she went to the, to the, the palace with her, to the castle with her husband. And when you arrive there, this is interesting. You don't get a joint bedroom. You each get their own bedroom, and there is a shared bathroom. So you can go in, <laughs> you knock on the door and go and see your wife or your husband, or if you've fallen out, you'll meet at the, the sink when you're brushing your teeth in the morning. Anyway, and of course, you each get their own maid uh, and their own butler. So Lady Jacobin said she was so pleased that... <laughs> that she bought brand new everything because when she came back with her husband from having dinner with the queen um her maid had unpacked her case for her and neatly put everything in drawers and her night her beautiful nightdress uh was laid on the bed for her to you know get into for the night's sleep her husband in the adjoining bedroom uh his butler had done the exact same thing and he'd neatly folded at the foot of Lord Decomus' bed, his talus. <laughs> because he thought that, he obviously thought that's what Jews wore when they went to sleep. <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> but uh, now, is, is there anybody in the BBC, by the way, who's taking over your role of expressing Judaism? Of the complaints. Yeah, that was, I was attacked by somebody, a nice fellow, but he was shouting, How can you go? Who's going to take your role? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. And again, even if if not, I mean, the idea of standing to staying on the BBC and stemming the tide of anti-Semitism on the BBC is a bit like asking a child to make a sandcastle on the beach because a tsunami is coming, and with that sandcastle, you're going to protect the town behind. That's not going to happen. Um, so, if the UK hasn't generated another Yahweh Rubinstein as a broadcaster, uh, then that's their problem, not mine. <laughs> No, uh, I, can't, I can't go on doing it forever uh, because I won't be here forever. So there's certainly got to be a, a point to leave anyway. But even if it is a point to leave, I'd rather leave in the matter of principle that I stand with my people. Now, do you know of King Charles? I assume he probably also listened to your broadcast. Do we have any knowledge of that to be the case? No, I, no, I don't. I've, I've no contact with Prince Charles as yet. Um, but uh, oh, look, I, there are certain programs that everybody listens to, so he will have certainly have heard me, uh, but he, he has millions of people to, you know, pay attention to YP. He's saying, oh, why am I going to say that's that nice Scottish guy? I'm instantly not English, I'm Scottish. Um, that nice Scottish guy, I doubt that very much, but who knows? You never know.
You never know. Before I let you go, I know you mentioned that Queen Elizabeth had good relationships. She's a big supporter of Jewish causes in England. I, from what I understand, King Charles also has a good relationship with the Jewish community, including in Israel itself. Yes, very, very much. Um, and uh, John, uh, Lord Jonathan Sachs, um, Shalom, and Prince Charles were extraordinarily good friends, extremely close. Uh, in fact, at uh, when Lord Sachs stepped down from being chief rabbi, uh, Prince Charles came and spoke. I mean, they were very close buddies, pointing out that that uh, John Sachs was retiring. I can't remember how old he was, 65 or something like that. And he was 70, looking forward to starting his first job. <laughs> well, he's now got the job. And I wish him every single blessing in the world in it. You're going to need it, and especially, you know, when you start a new rule, a new leadership it's uh, you need God's grace, you need God's help in order to succeed. But it's all you were given. I close with this: according to Jewish tradition, I guess when you become a king or when you get married, all your sins are forgiven because you have a new role in life. Yes, indeed, a new Absolutely. beginning, a new beginning, a new beginning for all of us. Rabbi Y. Y. Rubenstein, international speaker, acclaimed lecturer, former BBC presenter—that's the correct word, presenter. We don't use broadcast; we use presenter in England. So. Okay. We appreciate you being here with you, and best wishes to you and your family for Thanks. a good convention. God bless. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to thetalklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.